Michelle, 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 here we are. We're 100 today. Are we? We are. We are 100 and that sounds absolutely terrifying. This is our 100th episode. I know. Actually, what I should be saying is happy birthday to us. Yeah. (laughs) And to all our amazing eavesdroppers, can you believe 100 episodes? We wouldn't be here without our beautiful eavesdroppers, some of whom Mm -hmm. you will hear from in this episode. Eavesdroppers, welcome to our 100th episode. I am Geordie. I am Michelle. And honestly, what a milestone. I'm absolutely thrilled we made it to 100. Because do you know what? We did have naysayers. We had people say to us, (laughs) They're not going to last. They won't even make the first episode. But here we are. We'll believe it when we see it. But here we are, exactly. (laughs) So this episode is not going to be like the normal episodes that you normally listen to. It is a little pick and mix, isn't it, Michelle? (laughs) It's a hop on, hop off, pick and mix, all of that. A hodgepodge, did you say? No, I said a hop on, hop off. But actually, there's no (laughs) hopping off. Come on, no hopping off. Jump on. Hopping on, jumping on. Never get off. So today's episode, you are going to hear some classics from the old days. Now, Michelle and I started this podcast all the way back in November 2020, those heady, heady days of COVID and lockdown. So today's episode, you will hear some throwbacks from that time. Crazy to think that the world's just moved on so much since then. We're all traveling around and enjoying. Oh, God. You don't stop, Michelle. You're constantly on the move, I tell you. What do you mean? You're always camping, having a grand old time. Yes, I camp. You fly all hither and thither. But let me tell you also, along the way, we've collected not only beautiful listeners, beautiful eavesdroppers who we love so, so much, but we've gathered a few characters, if you like, who get included in each week's episode (laughs) often. And also our unpaid intern researchers, such as Al Teggett. And we've got Neil the Scientist, who provides us with lots of scientific knowledge. We've got Tamira the Modern Mystic, who helps us guide our lives and gives us great topics to think about and talk about. And she's been a guest more than once. We've got Natty J, a listener who wrote in to complain about all the poo and wee and shit and vomit that she didn't like listening to, and then ended up featuring on the podcast herself. I mean, anything can happen, listeners. Anything can happen. (laughs) And let's not forget Hazel, the psychic real estate agent. She is a favourite, I have to say. We get a lot of comments whenever Hazel's on. Do you know what? We should give a shout out to our other researchers. We have Ren. She's often a source. We have Anna and Fran from France who recently contributed. We have Stephanie Margarita. She's been quite helpful in the research department. And of course, don't forget Jen the Hen. And even Lucy Beacon gave us some hot tips for episodes. We love you all, eavesdroppers. We love you all. We do. Thank and you of course, so much. Our super fan from Amsterdam, no longer in a tubble because her cat scratched it and it popped and burst. Yannicka <laughs> oh, no. from Amsterdam. Oh no. I am so sorry to hear that, Yannicka. I can't even imagine what that must have been like. She sent us a little a little message. Happy birthday to you. Happy hundred episode eavesdropping without the G. I am an avid listener. 
I am Janneke from Amsterdam and I just love a Wednesday evening when I can come home from work and put on my favorite podcast of all time. What the hell happened to Melissa Kadek? And is she still alive? That's what I want to know. Fun fact, I have listened to every single eavesdropping episode that is out and looking forward to tomorrow to listen to the next one. Happy birthday! We also tend to talk a lot about certain things over and over, Michelle. It became apparent to me while putting together (laughs) this episode. Richard and Judy, the married couple of an 80s and 90s magazine-style television talk show here in the UK, get many a mention. So does This Morning. And actually, we seem to get a lot of research ideas from (laughs) This Morning with Richard and Judy. They get a mention today, as does Sean Ryder, Sting, Clive James and Margarita Prakatan. And we're talking about, in today's mishmash, as we like to call it, or hodgepodge, as I thought you'd called it, Michelle. We're talking about tardigrades, poos, empaths, UFOs, ghosts, hoarders, drinking weed. All the good shit. All the good shit. Pond water cocktails. Oh. The hoarding cat lady. You told a great story oh, about that. We've got the nullos. If you don't know what that is, then listen on. But don't eat. It's a juice dropper, the old nullo. It's a juice dropper. (laughs) Ozzy Simon, who was the secret love child, he thinks, of Camilla and Charles. Where you did your amazing Prince Charles impression. Wait till you hear my Prince Charles. You are going to die. Dirty John, we talk about Eric Banana. Oh, Eric Banana. Do you know what? We need to give him an extra special shout out because you don't even realise, but you listen to his amazing handiwork every single episode. Do we? Is that not Eric Banana? No, Eric, but I can't remember his name now because I always call him Eric Banana. He's an actor from Australia. Oh, Eric Banana? Yes. Oh, I thought you meant Dr. Banana. I thought. (laughs) Dr. Eileen Banana is the. Yes, shout out to Dr. Eileen <laughs> Banana, by the way, who is the composer of our theme tune. Obviously, all the other songs that we play are our own handiwork, as if you couldn't tell. We are musicians, you know. <laughs> ah, listen, there's trigger warnings galore, so brace yourself. You'll hear a bit more about QAnon. You'll hear about XPMs from Austra- a lot of Australian references. And, of course, our favourite word, gamut. Gamut, gamut. Only you can decide. <laughs> Michelle cracks out an American accent. I crack out an Italian accent. <laughs> but one more thing, Michelle, I do have a very, very exciting thing to tell you. What is that? If you just bear with me a moment, I have a little something to share with you and all our eavesdroppers. But we had a message from none other than... G'day, eavesdroppers. This is your patron saint, Ben Mendelson here, calling in from the land down under, you know... Where women glow and men plunder, apparently. Whatever that means. Anyway, just listening to the 100th episode. Sipping on me brown lemonades. Just want to say, keep up the awesome work, girls. Been loving it. Leaving ya. Uru. How the fuck is that even possible? My brother Aaron Gron, a.k.a. Ben Mendelsohn, listened to a few episodes (laughs) of uh, Star Wars. (laughs) And... 
did his best Ben Mendel's impersonation. So apologies to Ben Mendelssohn and all his team. We don't have you on. But listen, it's only a matter of time. Ben, come on. You're our patron saint. We would not be here without you, Ben Mendelssohn. It's true. Without Ben, without me absolutely slagging your career, Ben, we would not have had a podcast. You were partly our inspiration. We still love you. We don't talk about you as much apologue is. So sit back and enjoy a little Flick back through the last 100 episodes, dear eavesdroppers. Flip back through the last 100 episodes. You're going to laugh. You might cry. You're going to have some triggers. You'll probably be sick. (laughs) You might throw up. But hopefully we've entertained you and we'll continue to entertain you for another 100 more. I find it very distasteful. Well, how did do it, Michelle? <laughs> uh, how did do it, partner? <laughs> oh, here we are again, the giggling Gerties. Hey, my mum used to say that. She so did mine. My sister and I, giggling Gerties. She'd also have these little sayings. She'd say, "Oh, hello, sausage, you silly sausage." I call my children sausages at the moment, and piggies, piglets, and piggies. Oh, that's cute. Mum always used to say, hello, Blossom. Hello, Blossom. Oh, Bloss. Oh, little Blossy. Oh, little Bloss. <laughs> I haven't thought about that in years. Oh, How that's are you? cute. Well, I'm good. I'm good. I've got something to tell you. What? <laughs> Tamira, she's been very busy. The modern, modern mystic. She has been busy. Busy, busy, busy. Is she a busy, I was going to say busy bee, but busy ant, busy moth. Busy moth. You know, she gave us those wonderful readings last time. I know, I know. She's On the moths of the ants. And guess what I've just been doing, Michelle? What? Murdering moths. They're still coming. I told you it's like a sport now. They're still coming. I'm not enjoying the sport. I am over it as a sport. I'd rather play softball. I'd rather (laughs) go hula hooping or something. Or would you rather be drinking? Oh, yes. A very large glass of red wine, which I'm sorry if anyone hears clinking, I have. Clinking. <laughs> and then if, if anyone hears hiccuping, that's Michelle. I'm on water. Oh, look at you. You're so, you're so good, aren't you? I really All right, am. so tell me. Well, tell me, t- tell me. Okay, Tamira sent me a photo of something. It wasn't attractive, Michelle. It looked like a poo on legs, to be honest. It was called a tardigrade. Have you ever heard of that? This is one for Neil, the no. scientist. Okay. He'll be interested in this. It's a creature that lives both on Earth and in space, Michelle. Is this a fake creature or no, a it's real, real creature? It's real. It's like tiny, what? tiny. In 2019, Israeli spacecraft Bearsheet or Bereshit, I don't know how you pronounce that, crashed on the moon. What's okay. it doing going to the moon? What's an Israeli spacecraft going doing going to the moon? They're going. Don't They're give off. me those eyes. I don't know what <laughs> Don't give me the eyes. <laughs> I'm just telling you, the Americans did not go there in 1969. (laughs) Well, the Israelis are going there in 2019, it says here. They crashed on the moon, crashed on the moon, spilling. And they survived. Well, I don't know about them, but I do know that their tardigrades that had been packed by scientists, such as Neil, thousands of them (laughs) dehydrated. They'd all been sent up by these scientists along with samples of human DNA. Why? I mean, this is more concerning than the story I'm telling you, to be honest. Hang on. So Israeli astronauts yes. put tardigrades on and, the moon. And human DNA in a spaceship and it crashed on the moon 
only two years ago in 2019. How unusual. That's more of a story, really, isn't it? But why did this not make headlines? Well, I don't know, Michelle. Some things don't make headlines, do they? No, it's true. It's all COVID. COVID this, COVID that, COVID, COVID rubbish. I'm sick of COVID. But anyway, these tardigrades were dormant and shriveled up. Don't laugh, they're real. Shriveled up into a ball and had expelled most of the water in their bodies. And they're tiny, tiny. They lowered their metabolism until a more suitable life-sustaining environment occurred. And that's what they do. Guess what? Did you know aliens are real? The Earth is actually flat and you can have sex with a ghost. Open your eyes, dear! So, Carrie, 53 from Colorado... She says she loves drinking her own piss and she Great. drinks it like she's in a beer drinking contest. Oh, my god! And they gosh. actually – and look, I actually watched this. Did they show it? Yeah, she's chugging it back. Chugging oh. it back. A yellow lemonade. Oh. <laughs> and she says it's easier to drink than water. Oh, I mean, and she's drinking it all down, seriously. Now, oh. it started as just one glass in the morning and she says – she said, I like warm pee. It's comforting. So – she likes it fresh. And this isn't just splashing it on your face. You know, she, she's drinking she, it. Yeah. And like, oh, she bathes in it as well. She, well, yes. She, so she, it started off with one glass. Now she drinks five glasses a day. And the thing is, the first time she drank it, she didn't throw up. So she thought, great, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> so, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> and more than that, she says she likes the way it smells oh. and it depends on what she eats. And oh. now, because sometimes it tastes salty, sometimes she says it tastes <laughs> like champagne and the, there's, a, there's actually a, a shot of her and she's drinking and she's, she, I, honestly, she's actually got a fantastic voice and she says something like, hmm, hmm, <laughs> maybe a little lemony. So... <laughs> so I'm sorry, I shouldn't be connoisseur. laughing. It's really, oh, she's, she God. really is like a connoisseur. It's like a fine wine, you know. It has top notes. She oh can, you know, gosh. taste bits and pieces in it. Actually, Bits and pieces? Michelle! <laughs> <laughs> anyway. No. anyway. Lumps. So, so, bits and pieces. But the interesting thing is that she says <laughs> there are things that she doesn't eat anymore that she absolutely loves because she doesn't like the way it tastes in her piss. So she's actually sort of limiting her food intake because she doesn't enjoy it as much going in as she wants to enjoy it when it comes out. Far right? out. Yeah. So like what? Asparagus? Yeah, she said onion. asparagus is too strong. Yeah, yeah, all that sort of thing. All the strong things. What else comes out? Beetroot. That does tend to taint your pee, doesn't it? Yeah, yes, it does. Because I've actually had worrying moments where I've yes. looked in the bowl you're... and gone, why the fuck is my pee red? And it's yeah. just because you've eaten a lot of beetroot. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, this series goes on to talk to Carrie's daughters who are worried about her. They're worried about her drinking this amount you of think? piss. Yeah. However, I'm, I'm going to talk about why Carrie isn't so crazy. Okay. Because... It started, her drinking her own piss started when she was... It started with a piss. <laughs> Hot chocolate. Oh, my God. <laughs> we'll lighten the mood somehow, somewhat. Let's lighten the mood. It's not that light. And again, 
people 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 (laughs) be aware that you will need a trigger warning for this story as well also a true crime also recent michelle have you ever heard of the nullo movement no enlighten me geordie for those who identifies neither male or female it's short for genital nullification the removal of penis and testicles Oh, sorry, Pet. What was that? You might want to put down that sandwich. Oh, my God. Have we got a dick and ball story here? (laughs) (laughs) Nullos are also known as smoothies and sometimes (laughs) even have the nipples off. (gasps) No. Yes. They want to look like a Ken doll. Oh, my God. It's, It's a thing. It's a look that people lust after that they want to have no this was yeah and it's been around for a while too michelle the movement first gained interest in 2012 after a japanese performance artist named mao sugiyama removed cooked trigger warning cooked and served his genitalia to the highest bidder i think i've actually heard about that story you must have Um, and i think i think there are a few copycats as well but i think he might have been the original He's the OG Dick and Ball Chomper. D and D and B <laughs> restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> Mo- <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Most people, right, hang on. Let me just collect myself. <laughs> One no. moment. Right. Most people who undergo the procedure claim to be submissive gay males. Oh no, I can't laugh. <laughs> I just can't believe you called it a restaurant. Sorry. Let me start that last sentence again. Most people who undergo the procedure claim to be submissive gay males or identify as asexual. Now, there's a man. His name is Marius Gustafsson and he is Norwegian born, but he lives in the UK and he claimed to have undergone the procedure himself. But is also your go-to guy for the operation as he has performed the procedure on 58 other men. What? Oh, they really could have started a restaurant. (laughs) Indeed. 44-year-old Marius, known as the eunuch maker, has now been arrested amid claims he carried out dozens of castrations in his basement flat and broadcast the procedures on a pay-per-view channel that was promoted (gasps) via a Twitter account. Oh, my God. Mm. Okay. Dude's making money off the snip snip. True and true. And then he goes on to tell this story of Camilla and a man in a naval uniform visiting him when he was six years old in Portsmouth. And he overheard his adopted mother and grandmother talking about how the visits, they've got to stop because he's going to remember them. And then he claims to have been taken to a house where Camilla and Charles were waiting for him. And he remembers a grandfather clock and playing with toys. And the man saying, well, we're buggered now. And that's how he says it. Ah, oh, we're buggered now. And I thought, can you actually imagine Charles gonna... <laughs> saying that? Because Ew, we're buggered now. And doesn't buggered Ew. actually mean something different? Oh, Camilla, where's that tampon? Oh my god. Where did you put it? (laughs) Sorry. I'm going to get in trouble. (laughs) 
So I just thought, and the way, honestly, I really can't do it. Oh, we're buggered now. He was so Australian <laughs> the way he said it. And I just thought, Charles loyal. is never saying, we're buggered. Bucket up the arse, Camilla. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how much credence I give that memory. He, this guy, Simon, then talks about this weird episode and it's all about eye colour changing. So he says he was born with blue eyes, but the royal family was so intent on keeping his identity a secret and not having him recognised by anyone in the public that they forcibly changed his eye colour from blue to brown when he was eight years old. What? He That's also insane. I know, I know. He How? Well, he says uh he was forcibly held down Fuck and enough. an optometrist did something weird to his eyes, injected his iris with something. Oh my god. He also says a dentist filed down his teeth so he didn't have pointed <sighs> little incisors like Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> So, and he said this on this morning and he was like, it's because of the gossip around Portsmouth at the time. I don't think they had any choice but to do that. Oh my goodness. This guy's a fantasist. Do you remember we were audience members for one of their spin-off shows, an evening show, a talk show with Richard and Judy? And we were in the bar, like it was way back when Rufus Hound had just started as a comedian because he was the warm-up guy. So he was in the bar with about, it was like a galley kitchen somewhere. The size of the bar was tiny. It was in somewhere like Kennington or Oval. And you and I had gone there after work, got free drinks at the bar, sat there. We had to cheer and there was clips of us all going, yay, in between time. (laughs) So it was a bit like they were trying to cash in on that whole live audience in the background kind of thing. And we, yeah. could, we could chat to the guests who were hanging out with us until they went on. And the first guest was... Was it Margarita Prakatan? It was Margarita Prakatan and it was Clive fucking James. James! Yes, of we, course. We, that was, well, yeah. you particularly, threw yourself at him, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> right, Do you Clive, can I, I sit on your knee, Clive? Oh, <laughs> Clive, we love you. We're Australian too, Clive. <laughs> I know, I just ran up to him, didn't I? And it looked as though, in the interview with Richard and Judy, they wheeled out old Margarita Prakatan. <laughs> Rest in peace, Margarita, she's passed away. So has Clive. They wheeled her out. They had this wonderful reunion because back in the day, in the 80s and 90s, he had a talk show and she would always come on at the end and sing things like, I just call to say I love you. <laughs> things like that on her little Hammond organ. Well, you'd think that they were like, oh, he was like, oh, Margarita. Oh, Clive, it's so good to see you. Backstage wasn't like that, was it? They didn't have any. No. They had no love for each other. No, there was no rapport. No rapport at all. They loved us more than they loved each other. Margarita loved us. Yes. You'd think there was no other audience members. I think I even said, my surname's Margarita. (laughs) (laughs) Did we not say what's going on with you and and Clive? Did we not get the juice on him, her and Clive? If we did, I don't remember what the juice was. We could have sold that juice to Heat Magazine for Big Dollar. Why didn't we do that? I don't know. Maybe because we're decent people, Michelle. We don't want to cash in on other people's misery. Maybe. Except for this podcast, because we're always talking about other people's misery. <laughs> she made it awkward. She made it awkward. How did I make it awkward? Awkward, awkward. She made it awkward. She made it awkward. Awkward, awkward. How are you? Awkward, awkward.
in the fridge and the freezer. What? Yeah. So she had 50 live cats, but she had more than 100 dead oh, ones. God. And she was, like I said, she was hoarding them in this fridge freezer. What the because, fuck? Yeah, because she was hoping apparently to like cremate Revive them. Cryogenics. <laughs> 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 but she couldn't afford to cremate them. She didn't have oh, enough money. Shit. So she was she just popped them in the fridge and she was hoping to like have enough money to be able to give them all a proper cremation. And oh. this is the real trigger warning. Because she had them in the fridge, the fridge just wasn't up to the task. And when they were oh. cleaning it, they were liquefied cats. Oh, stop it. <laughs> sorry. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That was, oh. That's the story of the hoarding cat now, lady. Can I, can, Michelle, can I just can I just say tears. to anybody listening who's very upset by that story and I'm the fact sorry, that we cried laughing. with laughter? Oh we're not laughing at the cat's plight. That's terrible. I'm horrified about that. But oh dear. Oh, that is fucking atrocious, Michelle. It Thanks is for that. Appalling. Appalling. <laughs> Say work. So, Moosh, I had a funny thing happen to me last week. Oh, Jesus, what happened? Well, my neighbour, who's an avid listener, I'll just say a shout out to Laura. Here we are, <laughs> Laura. We've got finally acknowledging your presence. She was walking past our driveway on uh, last week with her daughter. And there was another driveway nearby and they're selling their house and they're getting rid of a whole heap of shit, right? All sorts of uh-huh. crazy crap, obviously like really old, so old you wouldn't even want it, not even good stuff, you know, out the front of their house. And I think they'd walked past and seen a massive great big jar that was full of a dark murky liquid, like the bottom of a pond. And it had sticks and apples and pears. Well, they said to each other with a laugh, who'd want that? Ha ha ha. Why are they giving that away? The next time they saw it, it was on my driveway. Because my husband had seen that and thought, oh, that's interesting. So, oh my God. She told me. And I was like, what? Oh my God. I've just got him to clear our driveway. We're very, we're a very focal point in our neighborhood. Everybody walks past our house and you can see what's going on. And he brings, he he finds things in the skip next door. He's even, he's even taken things out of our own skip when we had some work done. He's, he's actually salvaged from our own skip. So anyway, now we've got this great big murky liquid thing on the driveway. And my friend came around and she said, what's in it? He said, she said, did you taste? Do you know what's in it? He, I, taste? No. He no. said, He said, I tasted it. And we were all aghast. No. We said, what did it taste like? Thinking it was a weird pickle. He said, pond water. No. It is actually oh. just a jar of pond water. Yeah. Oh, my God. With rotten God. apples and pears. He's still alive, thank God. Jesus Christ. Who? Who would want to take a risk and have a little little taste of that? I would be terrified. My guy. My guy Your would. husband. <laughs> okay. I wonder if she likes being called Natty J. Or does she prefer Natalie? <laughs> she probably prefers Natalie. Sorry, Natalie. I just, do you know what? I started calling you Natty She's J st- from the start and that's yeah. dark. It's, it's what the Australians do, Natalie. We just, if your name's something, we need to make it our own version. That's what we do as Australians. Barry? No, it's Bazaar. Gary? <laughs> no, it's Gaz. Ben Mendelssohn? 
No, it's Mendo. Mendels. Oh, Mendo. They call him Mendo in Hollywood, don't they? But anyway, she says she likes our accents, by the way. So thanks, Natalie. That's good. Natto. <laughs> call her Natto. Natto. <laughs> so she says here, a little background on my stepmom. She sees dead people. <gasps> Spirits, ghosts, shadow people, all of those sorts. I love it. I see dead people. I see dead people. She says. My favourite film. Are you serious? Sixth Sense. My absolute favourite film. Along with, what's the other one I like? Blade Runner. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I had no idea. Yep. Bruce Willis. Yeah, Bruce Willis. The little boy. What's his name? Tony it's... Collette and a little laddie whose name escapes me. Whose name was Cole in the movie. So her stepmom sees dead people. She's also an empath. And Natty J, Natto, says, I had no idea what an empath was and had asked her about it, but never fully grasped what an empath was. Yeah. She said she unintentionally feels people's emotions as if they were her own. Still, Natty J wasn't totally getting the concept of what that meant until this mm. particular story. So... Natalie was on the phone with her stepmom when the stepmom told her that a week earlier, the stepmom and her dad were inside watching TV and they heard a loud crash that came from outside. Mm -hmm. So Natalie says, at first they just assumed it was the garbage truck picking up trash. Within a couple of minutes, out of nowhere, my stepmom had random extreme neck pain it was immobilizing and sudden about a minute later my dad and my stepmom heard sirens and they went and looked out the window and saw that a motorcycle and a car had had a head-on collision right in front of their house and that was the loud crash that they and the sound that they heard so they go outside and they see a man lying on his back in the middle of the street. He's still wearing his helmet, but not moving on the oh ground, paralyzed. God. The paramedics put a neck brace Aye. on him, uh, but he's alive. The paramedics okay. quickly lifted him in the ambulance and took him to the nearest hospital, which is about half a mile from her dad and stepmom's house. Right. So Natalie says, after they told me about the accident... And she has in brackets here when they told me it was about a week later. Right. I asked if the guy was okay. And they said they didn't know. They didn't hear anything more about it. But that the older lady driving the car that hit the motorcycle didn't get hurt. But that's all they knew. Natalie says, I then asked my stepmom how her neck was feeling and if it was still hurting. And she said, no, it was bad, but went away a few hours later. She then said, but it does act up when I'm driving. Later that day... Natalie says, mm-hmm. I was curious and wanted to know if the guy had survived. So I did a little duck, duck going. And she hey. says, me too, Michelle, me too. And she says she found out through research that the guy was 19 years old. Oh, he no. was in the military living in San Diego and that he had died at the hospital on Saturday oh, morning, no. which was seven days after the crash. He had suffered injuries oh. from a broken neck. neck. Oh, yeah. Fuck it up. And Natalie says, so then my mind is now blown. All of it then yep. made sense. Yep. I went to dinner over at my parents' house and told her about the guy and how he had survived the crash, but he had died in the hospital a week later on Saturday morning. Although she was learning of this for the first time, her stepmom was not in the least bit surprised and said it was tragic and that it made sense. Yeah. And when Natalie asked her what she meant, the stepmom said that for a week 
every time she drove through the accident site, her neck hurt. She said that when she was running errands on Saturday before lunch, her neck didn't hurt when she drove oh, by. Gosh. And Natalie says that is when it clicked for me on what being a true empath means. Yeah, no. And she says, I understood what it is like for my stepmom who lives with this daily. An empath unintentionally feels energy that people omit. They physically and emotionally feel other people's energy and emotions as if it was their own. Mm. And shockingly, all living things emit energy. So plants and animals, her stepmom can feel too. Oh God, what happens when she's like picking the basil to make pesto? It must be a nightmare. <laughs> or if she's eating a banana. Oh. Don't eat me. <laughs> Don't eat me. What's she on about? What? Silly bitch. Yeah. Wow. I wonder if we should get in touch with Sean Ryder. Sean, if you're listening to the podcast, Sean. get in touch. I want to know if anything else has happened in your life find to out. do with UFOs. Yeah. Lots. He loves it. So back in the Atacama Desert, Michelle, there are high-powered telescopes aimed at those clear skies and they're looking for signs of life. So okay. Sean turns up looking a bit worse for wear. If you remember, I said he'd had a little drink the <laughs> night before. He looks like he smells like a brewery, bless him. All mm-hmm. respect to you, Sean. They're looking for sugar because it's a complex molecule and that will prove life on other planets. So Sean's feeling inspired. So he joins up with a UFO group at the epicenter of UFO spotting in Peru, sorry, in Chile. And it's around this giant lake. The reason why it's so popular for ufologists is because 10 years before there was a blackout. Lots of UFOs were spotted. Some believe that the UFOs are there to refuel from a local hydroelectric facility. And the belief is that these UFOs run on plasma and they just hover over it and draw it up. Wow. Mm. So once at the lake, these experts sadly left some crucial bits of kit behind. So a crestfallen Sean is very disappointed. Doesn't look like they're going to be seeing any UFOs that night. But when they're getting ready to pack up, one of the cameramen captured an interesting photo. It's a star or something in the sky. But... Uh, he's he's done it on a really slow aperture. So when he looked back at it on the digital camera, mm. it revealed that the trajectory went like above, dropped down and across. So there's a little hairline of light going down and across and then there's the star. So it looks Ooh. like that great big star has moved. Everyone wow. is shocked, including the sceptical, some of the sceptical teammates. <gasps> Proof, Sean is beside himself they check the lens they do more photos on that camera there's no crack there's no hairline crack yeah it's proof for them as far as they're concerned (gasps) amazing so there was a a ufo hovering yeah absolutely so some people think because of earth's rich minerals and sources of energy that it's like an intergalactic petrol station and these ufos come and refuel yeah we're basically services (laughs) we're the services powerful stuff guys it's powerful stuff well hello michelle hello geordie look at you looking sexy today sexy. little one shoulder what do they call it cold shoulder number i've got cold the cold shoulder. shoulder for you michelle welcome to eavesdropping people who are eavesdropping welcome mm. <laughs> well, she's Geordie, I'm Michelle. Welcome, and, welcome, welcome. And you're listening in. Yes. So if you've got any complaints, then don't be such an eavesdropper, although do. I'm always giving mixed messages, aren't I? 
You always are. But that's life. Life yeah. is full of mixed messages. That's right. What mixed messages have you had this week, Michelle? Well, one mixed message I had was a new word that I learned. Is it gamut? <laughs> Again, our target. Where the bloody hell are you? God, where the bloody hell are you? I do hope we haven't upset any uh, Australian fans of the Prime Minister from last week's episode, by the way, because we don't know how that went down because we don't live in the country. So apology, apology. <laughs> I can't even say my ridiculous version of the word apologies. Apologies from me, apologies to you. Why do I always sound so Australian? Right, so tell me, have you got any apologies? No. Oh. Why why should I apologise for anything I say? Well, I don't know. (laughs) Do you need to apologise? Sting got stung. (laughs) What happened? Well, Gordon Matthew Sumner, a.k.a. Sting, took Mm. his financial advisor to court in 1995 after he discovered he had been swindled out of 6.4 million. It says pounds here, so I'm thinking it's pounds. Jesus Christ. Yeah. How do you not notice that? It's not in your bank account. Well, that's what they were asking him. In the court case of Sting. But Keith Moore was the name of the advisor to Sting and he was there for over 15 years and he also had Queen and Big Country on his books. Oh, (laughs) He invested Sting's millions into various business ventures, including a chain of Indian restaurants in Australia. I mean, what chain of Indian restaurants are there in Australia? That doesn't exist. (laughs) Clearly, Sting. God. Uh, And it took an anonymous tip-off to Sting. To alert him to the missing money. He didn't even notice it himself. Oh, 6. my 4 God. Million. He claimed to be too busy to notice it was gone, Michelle. Rich and famous creatives, they do um, hand over power of attorney to their financial advisors. And you do have to have a lot of trust. And look, actually, I think we should come back to this another episode. Yeah. Um, Put a pin in it. Yeah. Michael Hutchins oh. and his daughter. Uh-huh. She... She's got nothing, <gasps> literally nothing. But let's say no more. Oh. Come, we, let's revisit this another okay. episode. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone who's got any info on that, please write in. Yeah, please. In court, Sting claimed that Moore had created an elaborate banking system, so pretty much what you were just saying, Mish, which he couldn't get a handle on, to which the defence countered that Sting, who used to work at Inland Revenue, should have, have known better. But to which, and also he's got an A-level in economics, to which Sting retorted, well, that's what probably why I didn't last long working as a taxman. Oh, there so, you go. Yes, but Coots did repay 4.8 of the missing millions to Sting. Sorry, but that's still fucking millions short. Yep, it is. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it just goes to show, guys, anyone can get fucked up the ass, including Sting. <laughs> well, sorry. <laughs> Geordie, language. Uh, oh, dear. But you know what? There are so many stories out there, Michelle, about this kind of activity. Scammers. And look, I think I think we've got to come back to it because it's a rich theme. Why of... did you not do your research? Are we coming no, back I... to it next week? No, no, no. I've, <laughs> I've got a case for you, but yeah, only one, really. Okay, but well, it... same here. Thanks to our new researcher, Al Taggart. Thank oh. you, Alistair. Yes, good. Hi, Al. Yeah, he's done his work. Yeah, yeah, because we gave him the heads up before oh, the yeah. ep. 
You've got the job. <laughs> got the, you've got the job, Al. You've got the job. <laughs> and you got the job done. I look, and the reason I say this is like a rich, a rich mine of uh, a rich vein, a, a rich, a rich vein <laughs> of of ideas and and stories is because sadly, in the time that we times we live in. People are just getting fucked over left, right and centre. Yeah. And not just financially, in love too. Yes. You know, I mean, I knew a girl who basically her boyfriend had been living double life for five years. What? Yeah. And really, it was horrendous. She had absolutely no idea until one day through the mail, she got a letter. She opened it up. And it said, hi, you don't know me, but my mum is having an affair with your partner. If you don't believe me, here's the proof. Pictures. Oh. Some some a bit racy. Yeah. Hang on. Of the mum. Yep. Of this person took pictures of her mum at it with this lady's boyfriend. No, not at it, but you know. Like he's just walking around <laughs> around the house in his pants, you know, Ew. playing with the cat, all that kind of stuff. Oh, is that an, a euphemism? No, it's not a pussy reference. <laughs> Jesus, Jodie. Um, you need to think more carefully when you say these things, <laughs> Well, Michelle. I didn't say walking around stroking a puss, did I? You said I did walking not around say playing that. with the cat in As his a pants. Cat, I didn't say pussy. Anyway, <laughs> so, <laughs> but no, and this was terrifying because not only did she get this letter, so did 10 of her friends. Oh, no. So, you know, it was just this really nasty situation. And and when she confronted the boyfriend, he denied everything. She's like, yeah, mate, well, what about this? And then as soon as he saw all the evidence and the letter and he was like, yeah. Yeah, okay. Caught I'm out. Busted. And mm. the thing was, he had this job which took him overseas on, you know, business travel. So she thought he was just away for his job. Uh-uh. Literally down the road, shagging the lady he'd met in the park. <gasps> yeah, I know. Mm. So, you know, it can happen. You think you know somebody. I mean, I'd like to think. I'd like to think I know my boyfriend. Yeah. But, but where is he right now, Michelle? Apparently. He's oh, skiing. my God. Yeah. Don't even say that. That's where is so he now? horrible. My husband's just left for work, in inverted commas. Yeah. Okay. He had a shower before he left. Oh my god, that's it. He's having an affair. No, That'll be it. <laughs> but yeah, look. The the point is, there there is so much. There are so many stories out there of yeah. heartbreak, financial fraud. You know, the emotional toll. Things that end in sadly death. You know, it's, have it's you? Awful. Oh, Michelle, did you ever hear or watch Dirty John, the podcast that turned into the TV show? Did you watch the TV show? The TV? No, I, I watched. I watched it. I listened. I listened first and watched it. Listened, yeah. The the actual TV show. What with Eric Banana? What a pile of shit! But <laughs> it was so crap. It was definitely made for TV. It but... was made for TV. But the, what? That's a true freaking story. It is of this poor it woman is. who yeah. met this guy. She's very attractive. She's very successful. She's got daughters. Oh, she runs an interior. Yeah, she's Bit an old lady. She she mm. she has the ha- amazing hair. If it's Connie Britton in the TV show. And she fell in love with this guy. Well, she didn't actually fall in love with him at first. She was a bit cagey about him at first, wasn't she? No, she liked him. It was the daughters who were like, come on. No, no, she wasn't. She was a bit iffy about him because he forced his way in on their first date. He was trying to kind of smooth on in there. 
because mm. he was he was representing himself and he was wearing the scrubs and everything as an anesthetist anesthetist yeah when but actually it... he had just come out of jail yeah and, and didn't he steal like the doctor's scrubs or something i don't know it was it's been a while since I listened to He was to pretending to be an, 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 and a doctor. An, yeah, he was yeah, pretending. a surgeon and um, li- moved on in real quick. He knew he fucked up on the first date, but then he came back again and um, managed to win over her trust to the point where they married and he got her to sign things over in his name and all sorts of things. And it was so obvious to everybody except her. And it ended up with her daughter and he fighting to the death. Yeah. And the daughter won. Daughter won. Yeah. Sorry. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't really want to watch that, did you? Spoiler alert! I've been following this case, and it's an Australian case. Now I don't know if you're if you're ready for this or if you want to. I'm ready. I am ready for this. All right. Well, look, I get a daily email from Sydney Morning Herald. Um, oh, that's nice of them. Touching base. Yeah, they just, you know, say hi. How you doing? It's been yeah. a while. And it's basically the, the headlines. And, and look, this case caught my attention back in November last year because it was just fucking bizarre. And mm. since then, it has blown up in the Australian media. And, I, you know, I think it's been reported a little bit over here, but it certainly hasn't made the splash on this side of the pond that it has in Australia. So I've look, not I'm, heard anything about this case. Well, look, I'm going to give it a red hot go because there's go. some crazy shit going on in this case, which is, you know, we were talking about deception. It's, well, it's deception on so many levels. But anyway, okay. I think it's ongoing. So this isn't this case is not wrapped up. So we don't have a satisfying, satisfactory end to this. Well, story. the thing is, literally, new details are coming to light oh, every wow. single day, and I think this case is just going to run and run. But I'm going to give you this, the facts okay. as they stand right now. At around five thirty a.m. November twelfth last year, twenty twenty, forty-nine-year-old Melissa Caddick, who is a was a financial investor, went for a run. Just like she did every day near her home in Dover Heights. Now, anyone who Where's doesn't, that? yeah, it's in Sydney huh? and it's a really affluent area of Sydney's eastern suburbs near Bondi Beach. And look, it is gorgeous. It's on its own peninsula, right on the cliffs, I believe, right near my friend and yours, Max. And depending on. <laughs> she's had a couple of shout outs. I she she's has. Yes. Dover Heights is super wealthy and you know on one side you look out and you've got the Tasman Sea or if you're on the Sydney Harbour side you get the Harbour Bridge and views of Sydney skyline so you have to have mega bucks stunning yeah to be able to afford a place here and she was on the Harbour side so like I said this this woman Melissa Caddick she went for her usual run but on this day it turns out she left her house without her phone her wallet or even her house keys and she has not been seen since. Well, that's fishy. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, sometimes I do go out without my phone or my wallet these days. Not without your keys. Not without my keys. No. Does she live alone? No. She's got a husband and a son. Oh. So, look, on the surface of it, this case, back, back, you know, when it first broke, just appeared to be sort of a normal. And I mean normal in the most awful sense. But just a regular missing persons report. But this case has been anything but fucking normal. So 
two days before Melissa went missing, so this is November 10, ASIC, which stands for the Australian Securities and Investments Commission, and it's a government body that regulates registered what companies. What's a fashion company called that? ASIC. Tiger ASICs. Tiger ASICs. They're those shoes. Yeah. Yeah. ASICs. Not, not the same. No. Not the same, babe. <laughs> No, this is a, a fun, um it's a body that regulates registered companies and it sort of, it's more like a watchdog for financial okay. markets and providers of financial services. So anyway, the day before she went missing, they froze, no, two days before, they froze all her bank accounts and they took measures without her knowledge to ensure that she couldn't leave Australia. Then the next day, so November 11. Melissa's $7.5 million home was raided both by the police and by ASIC, where over more than 12 hours, they seized her computers, all her files, and no shit, fucking wardrobes full of designer clothes, super oh. expensive jewelry. I mean, this woman had the luxury lifestyle anybody could ever fucking dream of. Uh-huh. And at this point, this is where the case goes fucking nuts. So I'm wondering if she's done a Harold Holt, walked into the sea. Well, that? he was the prime minister who went missing. Yeah. Walked out into the sea, they say. Well, do you Never know what? To be found. Do you know what? As we go through this case, that is actually like put forward as one Uh-oh. of the one of the theories here. But we'll, we'll get back to that. So like I said before. Uh, Melissa claimed she was a financial investor. And look, to be fair, up until 2009, she really was. She was a financial investor. Yeah. But in 2013, she set up her own company, Malava, and she did this without a financial license to practice. So, Which I'm guessing you need. Absolutely, you know, because you have to have all of these licenses in able to be able to take people's money and invest it. And you also have to do um, courses on ethics. think she missed that one. Oops. But anyway, so she set up this company and I think way back even then she knew what she was going to do. I think she set herself up here to like rip people off. But anyway, look, with Malava, what she, what she was doing was she was basically, yeah, taking people's money it was often their pension money or retirement oh, no. super. Yeah. She would invest it, inverted commas, and provide her cost her customers, which her clients, and this is the really tragic part, her clients were mainly her family and friends. Oh, no. That's it, really sucky. Yeah. It's really fucking brutal. Anyway, so she would take their money and promise them high returns, except what she was actually doing is taking their money putting it into her own personal bank accounts and living it up. Pick up your panties and go, Jen. Pick up your panties and go. You don't need that. Leave the kids behind. Pick up your panties and go. So, Michelle, you know that I had a conversation with our very favourite real estate agent, Psychic real estate agent, 
Hazel, the psychic real estate agent. Hazel. So our friend, friend of the show, Hazel, the real estate, Hazel, the psychic real estate agent, she recently sold a house. So this is latest (gasps) updates. Yeah. She recently sold a house, which was due for completion. And in the following days, she got into her car at home, ready to go to work. Yeah. She noticed there was a little Italian man sitting next to her in the passenger seat. (gasps) Oh, my God. He insisted on riding to work with her and Hazel was sitting there thinking, what the hell are you doing here? I don't know you. Yeah. Why are you here? What do you want? <laughs> I can imagine her saying, why are you here? Why are you here? <laughs> so he followed her. She got to the office. She just tried to ignore him, but he was sitting there chatting away. He followed her to the office. She was sitting at her desk with her team in the other room and she couldn't reveal that she had a little man with her. So she was conducting a very stressful conversation with him out of the side of her mouth. He's very <gasps> agitated and he's saying, you sell my house. Oh. You, my, you sell my house. My what? My daughter, my wife, they're going to blow the money. I need you to get their heads and bang them together. <laughs> oh my God. Apologies for the accent. That's how she did it. But that's how my dad would sound. Really? Not even joking. <laughs> really? yep, you sell my house. <laughs> so Hazel was trying to ignore him, but he just kept tapping her shoulder, irritating the hell out of her. And he kept saying, then suddenly she thought she was being told off because he's got his finger in her face going, number one, number one, talk to number one. Wow. So she's thinking she's in trouble. Why is he wagging his finger? But then in her mind, she sees power tools and hammers and things like that. So... And then he says, he's the head of the family. He's the head, number one grandson. He's the head of the family. She's like, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. But I don't know who you are, Hazel says. And he said, you should never have sold the house because they're going to they're gonna blow the money. They won't buy another house. They're going to be homeless. Oh my and God. then he starts crying. <gasps> so he's really agitated and crying and emotional. And Hazel's sitting there trying to pretend that he's not there. <laughs> <laughs> You know, looking at the side, the corner of her eyes, mouth is slightly moving. She's none the wiser. And she said to him, listen, I don't know who you are. So in her mind, he she was shown a house and she she went in. She, in her mind, she goes into the house and yeah. she saw a sideboard and she saw a family photo. He was in it. Okay. And then she was thinking, she's still in the dark. But then suddenly she recognized the family and she thinks, oh, no. That's the people whose house I just sold. And I remember the daughter's name. Yes. So she surreptitiously asks one of the ladies in the office who was around the same age as the daughter. Yeah. If she knew this person. Yeah. And if she had a son. The colleague said she did know the lady. And yes, she did have a son and that he's a builder. Okay. So things are falling into place here. Then the little old man disappears for about an hour. Okay. So Hazel's like, phew, and she can relax a bit. Thank God. And then he comes back tapping away, <gasps> tapping on her shoulder. No. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You can't sell a house. They're going to be homeless. These two, they're bad for each other. Oh they're never going to have a house. They're going <gasps> to blow the money. So what so happened? She's like, oh, my God, please, why are you here? So then she says to her PA, does anyone know the family of this house we just sold? Yeah. And the PA said she did know her, them. She said, oh, yeah. Oh, yes, I know them. I know her. Like, so this PA used to work at the nearest social club, or the town social club. Yeah. And those two, so the mum of, so this little old man's wife. Yes. And her daughter, who is quite old. The daughter has a grown-up son. Yes. Right. 
they're massive poker machine addicts. <gasps> and they would come in at 10 a.m. every single day oh and God. just throw money into those machines and burn through it. Wow. Obviously, to the point where they had a reputation for being like poker addicts. Wow. Yeah. So the PA said, Oh, why did they sell their house? And Hazel says, I don't know. Then the Shit. PA answers, I bet it's because they punch so much money through the pokies. Gambling debts. Yeah. And then the PA said, you know, they've already bought a new Mercedes. No. Burning the money. So really, they really are burning through the money. Yeah, yeah. But it's too late. The house is, you know, it's sold. It's almost science. It's sold. They've got the money. Poor Hazel didn't feel like she could call the grandson and ask him to bash his mother and his grandmother's heads <laughs> together because their irritated and uptight grandfather said he's, you know, because he's going off his tree. Yeah. So <gasps> she didn't make the call. No, but, but also it's not it. her place. I mean, she could have said, listen, I have a, a message from your your dead grandfather. He says this. Now, I didn't want this message. I didn't want to have to call you, but in order to put your granddad's spirit to rest. I need to make this phone call. Because he won't stop tapping me. And bloody talking in my ear. <gasps> yeah. Oh my God, Hazel. Yeah. Do you know what? That's a lot of responsibility to put on a, yes. a human from the spirit world. I mean, would she have sold the house beforehand if she'd had him tapping during the viewings? Or I mean, again, she probably would have. It's her job. So Yeah. But she could have said, guys, have you got somewhere at lined up you know I have got a, a great little place it's within your budget yeah she probably would have done something like that yeah but anyway oh gosh there was another lady who was about to buy a property that had tenants in situ yeah. so it was a tenanted property and the tenant rang Hazel yeah to say I just want you to know that there is a poltergeist in this house and it's thrown my daughter across the room it's quite violent what you're gonna have you're going to have to disclose this to any any potential buyers so Hazel yeah. Took this on board and she thought, well, I better phone the governing, the real estate governing body to find out what the disclosure regulations are. Yeah. So she did. And the person on the other end of the line said, oh, okay, well, we think that what you should do is go out to the property and stay the night and what? see for yourself. <laughs> are you joking? What kind of advice is that? That is ridiculous. It's crazy. Right. What? So Hazel is... Not quite sure if she wants to do that or if she should do that. So eventually she thinks, okay, I'll call the police because she was told by the tenant that they had even had the police out there, that okay. it's been reported, da 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 da. Okay. So Hazel calls the police and says, I believe you've been called to this property due to an entity. And the police <laughs> replied, I believe we did. And then we referred the caller on to mental health services. Oh. So Hazel kind of thought, well, right, rather than spend a night in a house that potentially has a poltergeist or at the very least a drug-addled tenant trying to put the buyer off. Oh, okay. She just thought, you know what, I'm just going to tell the buyer. Okay. I'm just going to be up front. Right? I'm going to disclose. How come she didn't just go to the property? Because I think she's so psychically intuitive, intuitive that she would have yeah. felt whether or not there was something there. Oh, she would have been at the property. Mm. She would have been there, but she wouldn't have, She didn't want to stay the night. <sighs> so she told the buyer. Okay. But the buyer wasn't fussed and she went ahead with the sale. And the next day after all the signings, the real estate body called Hazel back, having escalated her query and told her that 
poltergeists are not disclosure material after all, and it wouldn't be necessary for her to sleep the night in the property. <laughs> she's psychic. She's a real estate agent. Name's Hazel. She can feel it in the waters. She's Hazel, a psychic real estate agent. Salt of the high speeder. Oh, Michelle, we're so funny. We do make ourselves laugh, don't we? <laughs> it doesn't take much, especially after some booze, it's for sure. But, my God, you know, 100 episodes. It's crazy. And, and Geordie, I just want to thank you for being my eavesdropping co-host. Oh. Honestly, I could oh, not have had a more fantastic ride over these last 100 episodes with you. So thank you very much. Oh, I'm glad to hear you say that, Michelle, because I feel just the same way. And all we can say now, my dear little friend, is to tell all our lovely eavesdroppers, (laughs) don't give up on us. We've got 100 more in us, I'm telling you. And in the meantime, (laughs) whatever you do, wherever you are, just just keep keep eavesdropping. 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 Eavesdropping, dropping, eavesdropping, dropping, eavesdropping, dropping, 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 drop